Hi guys, first podcast recording. Um, this one was uh, an interview with former Sunderland Academy manager and current head of recruitment in the academy, uh, Jed McNamee. A personal mentor and somebody who I hold in, in real high regard from a coaching point of view. I think the things that you're going to take from this are the influence that values can have on people within your coaching sessions. Um, something that himself and other coaches within Sunderland Academy have certainly integrated into their programme over the years. So please sit back, enjoy and let us know if you have any questions or feedback. Thank you. Okay. All right, Jed. Well, first of all, thanks for, for coming on. Appreciate you giving up your afternoon and to have a chat with us. The first first question, mate, can you give us a quick overview of kind of your coaching career journey so far, mate? I mean, it's a, it's, it's been a long journey, obviously, um, and I'm, I'm probably classed as a bit of a dinosaur now. But... Um, it, it like it goes way back about thirty odd years. Even when I was playing, I was coaching. So when I when I was at Hartlepool and I was a young player, I was going back and doing some coaching with the, the youth team that I used to play for. And um I took some qualifications fairly early. You know, I was I was probably um in my early twenties when I first took a coaching course, you know. Um and then it just it just developed from there really. Um, I left Hartlepool but continued to to um, like play non-league, semi-pro, um, and probably didn't didn't do a lot um, of coaching. Although I watched a lot of football, obviously, um, and try to do the odd qualification that was that was out there. And then when I was getting into my thirties, I uh, started thinking about coaching, and um, got got the opportunity to, to start coaching with the um, my new centre of excellence, which was based in Durham, um, through um, Pop Robson and a, and, a, and uh, Jim Hagen, who was the the scout for the Northeast for the Man United, um, and and got into that, and you know I tell the story like literally for about six months, wasn't getting any money for it. I was working, but just going along, coaching the lads. They were going down to Man U. Um, and then that started to get us thinking about, look, I need to get some qualifications. Um, so then started to look into that. Um, we're doing, in them days, it was called the, your, your, like your, your preliminary um, awards. And then you went for like your full badge, which was at Lillishaw for like two weeks. But you, you know, I was prepping for that and then went away and was fortunate to get that. Was coaching continuously with the with the, the Man U Centre of Excellence, which was which was really good. We had some really good young players from the northeast coming to that. Um and then Pop Pop left um Pop was like at Man U is a is a uh, coach <clears throat> full time and would come up and then gradually he left that to me. Um, and then he left Man U, came to Sunderland, and um, sort of like uh, I, I sort of took over the total running of that of the um, uh, Man U uh, centre. And then he, he, he asked us to he, he asked us to, to, to join him at Sunderland, which initially I, I, I knocked back yeah. because um, obviously I'd been in pro football and then going back into it, I had a young family and I had a good job. And I was just a little bit worried about the security of it. So I turned it down initially and then just continued with my new. And then it was uh, it was when the um when the, the charter for quality was coming on, uh, Howard Wilkinson, and I'd heard a whisper that um the outreach centres were going to be closed. So the my new centre would eventually be closed. I think there was one Chef Webb would do in Leeds. So then Pop came back on and, and uh, there was a change again at Sunderland and he asked us would I come in as Centre of Excellence Director because there was no academies at the time. So I thought, well, I don't want to look back and think, oh, I wonder what. 
So I, I took the opportunity and then came to Sunderland um, and worked with Pop. And by that time, Jim had left my new as well and come in full time um, at Sunderland as well. And then basically from then about 1996 um, of, of like, been in football coaching since then really and just you know gone through different phases of like working with the young like the young kids from under nines right the way through and and like being around every age group really uh, and my time at Sunderland right up to the first team really so you know to leave in Sunderland as academy manager then um, having a bit of time out because I I felt I was a little bit burnt out um, and spending some time with my wife and then got the opportunity to go to Hartlepool, which was like going from a Premier League club to like National League, which, you know, I was a bit like, wow. But really enjoyed it, worked with the first team. Um, you're wondering about the quality of the players. There were some good players, really genuine, wanted to improve knew they had to work hard to stay in the game. It was their livelihood uh, and really enjoyed it. And I'd like two and a bit years there. And then I've come back to Sunderland as like head of, head of recruitment. Yeah, and, and how are you finding the role now at Sunderland, mate? Head of recruitment, it's a, it's a new kind of role that you've never... I mean, I've, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I mean, it, like as an academy manager over the te- over the years and like when you were at the club as a, as a player... Prior to, you know, you coming in as a young player, we didn't have, there wasn't the staff base that's uh, at the club now. It was myself and Elliot and we had a spell when we didn't have a recruitment uh, officer. Like it was down to myself and Elliot and obviously the part-time scouts that were out there. But, you know, me and Elliot spent a lot of time going out and watching games when we could. You know, I did a lot of uh, flying over to uh, Europe and, and Ireland in particular. And, you know, at that time we brought people like Conor Hurahan and John Egan to the club. Um, and then, so I've, we've, I've always been involved, obviously, in the recruitment side as part of the academy manager role. Um, but now, um, you know, it's 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 more detailed and looking at squads and, you know, who's going to progress, who's not going to progress. And from a, um, a financial perspective, when I was academy manager, we had, we had you know, finance to, to pay compensation, to, 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 you know, go to Europe and, and pay clubs uh, compensation to bring these players to the, to the club. But presently, we haven't got that. So, you know, you've got to, you've got, you've got to recruit smarter. So, you know, we're looking non-league, we're looking right across the, across the board and you know we we brought in a lot of players um before for this season for the 23s i think we had like something like 40 45 trailers in for the 23s over a, over that period of time of like um um before the first lockdown and then after the first lockdown and like you know we ended up putting a whole team together and and it, you know, it's cost us nothing at the moment. Yeah. And, you know, we're, and, you know, they've done well, you know, they're, they've had a tough two, couple of years, but now they're, they're, they're competing again and they're doing okay in the league. And we've just looked differently and like how we recruit a big emphasis now is on character. Um, and, you know, we've had lads in trailing who have, have got good ability, but the character we weren't sure about the character and we just thought, look, uh, we're not going to bring them in. We just want good characters who train hard, play hard, work together as a team and just the values that you're aware of, you know, trying to instill, get get them values back uh, to the forefront again, like, you know, and being a bit more demanding of them, you know. And, um, and But then things have changed again. Paul Bryson left, um, Mick Collins left, who were doing the under-18s. Then positions haven't been filled, so I've gone back to help coach the um, the under-18s. And I was doing, I've been doing that for like six months. But we're in it. We're in a really uh, busy period again. We're looking at the squads again. There's a lot of players being put to us, so I've sort of stepped away from the 18s again to concentrate on the recruitment. 
Yeah, and and just to we'll we'll touch on the value side of things a, a little bit later, and just to kind of go into the recruitment a little bit now. Obviously, the the a lot of people are probably gonna listen to this. This might be coaches in grassroots football or co or parents even in grassroots football. What do you kind? Of, what would you say you look for in a player of of younger age so when you're looking at your foundation phase and youth development phase at players what does Sunderland look for in a player mate? In my previous role as academy manager and like I was very interested in the foundation phase because in my view I'd, I'd heard that some academy managers didn't really get involved in the foundation phase and I, I used to find that hard to comprehend because the name in itself builds the builds the academy the foundation and like if you're not getting the foundation uh, right you know, if you're not getting if you're not bringing good players in at nine and ten at some point um along the line it's going to cause problems it's going to cause cracks um so i was always very keen to to, to um get involved with the the the, the younger ages and, and making sure that we were, were we were bringing in good potential and I used to use a, a, um, a term called uh, D-O-N-A. So for me, I always used to be looking at younger kids and looking at uh, it's like a degree of natural ability. So you see a player and he's doing things and you're thinking, well, he's very young. How has he learned that? Who, who's taught him that? It's just something that he's being given. He can dribble the ball or he's intelligent. He can, he can use both feet. And he's like, you know, he's seven or eight year old. So I always, at younger ages, I always look for a degree of natural ability. And then, you know, coachability. So he's got that. Can we add things to it? And then in, when you get into your games, in your, in your small-sided games, it's like, I always look at the players who are always on the ball, who always want the ball. And you'll find, like, if you sit back and you, you sort of divorce yourself from actually getting involved in the game and you're just sitting back watching it, it's the same players who will be on the ball all the time. It's the same players who want to be on the ball all the time. And it doesn't really matter to me that um, he overcooks it sometimes and he does too much on it. It's just the fact that he's running around and he loses it. He wants to run back. He wants to tackle back. He wants to get the ball back. All, all those sort of natural things that, you know, are just there, they're not like that haven't been put there. And you know, he just wants to be on the pitch and he wants to play football. A bit like yourself. <laughs> when you were young, yeah. used to run around all the time, you know, running and <laughs> ball back or running forward trying to get the ball. That 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 sort of personality, you know. Yeah, I, 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 there's a there's an example I remember of that, and I'll, I'll not say any names because the, the young player's still at the club now and he's he's still only young. But I remember when I coached, coached then and took took the nines in, in the in lower, and you came in and watched a, a young lad, and he was exactly that, just on the ball the whole time, non-stop, and straight away your your comment was sign him, get like get in because you you had that impact of just being on it all the time. So so where do you sit, Jed, along the line of physical and technical? Because I think there's got to be a degree of both. If when you're looking at, at kids, um, uh, but how which I would, would agree. I, I, I would agree. I'm always attracted to physical, um, sorry, the technical players, but the way the game's going, you know, physicality comes into it. And like we've just been discussing it today, at the younger age, it's it's less of an impact, you know, you, you're looking, and again, with your experience, you're looking at like body mass, body shape. Like, is there more to come? You know, is he heavy-legged? Is he squat? You know, he could be he could be having an impact um, as a young player, maybe as a seven or an eight or a nine. But, like, long-term, you know, it's in the back of your head that, um, you know, as he grows and as he gets older, that, that could be, become a problem. And we've had these players in the academy who are technically very good. Um, but you know, you've always got that little niggle in the back of your head that as he gets older, that lack of mobility or that body shape is going to let him down. So it's a balance, but then equally you can't like just go 
like we're bringing them in on for me on a on total physical things because you know at the end of the day they've, they've got to have an, a, techni a technical ability they've got to be able to control the ball or you know I used to argue with some scouts if that's what you're talking about then you know we need we need to go and scout the athletics clubs and just bring in you know boys who can just run con con you know up and down so it's that feel it's that that experience it's that it's that you know getting that balance but then you know sometimes you, you do go with the player because he's technically okay but like his phys physicality aspects do let him down and even at a younger age at academy level you know the the will stand out you will have somebody who just can't deal with the 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 quality of the of the game or the or the pace of the game, even at under under nines. I mean, I watched our under nines play Newcastle's under nines, and Newcastle's under nines had some really good physical qualities, and one or two of our under nines just couldn't deal with that from the, their body shape, their their mobility. They just couldn't deal with it, you know. Mm -hmm. So even at a younger age, and it's 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 a hard thing to say. You are you are aware of that. Um, and you know you, you've just got to balance it out you know he, he can move he can run he's got good balance he can't use his left foot then I would argue then that's our job to improve his left foot yeah. you know, and make that better so it, it, it's, a, it's a funny one and so it's not like going one way and the other way you're trying to find a balance um, and, and it is difficult but you know, you'll hear people, scouts talk about players that you're coaching will go, yeah, technically he's good, like, but he doesn't move very well, does he? Or he hasn't got good mobility, you know? Mm -hmm. And the higher you go, that that does start to have a massive effect, you know? Yeah. You've, got, you've got to have um, some athleticism, you know? Or if you're a defender and you lack a yard, you've got to be smart. You know, you've got to get in the channel. You've got to, you've got to be a smart defender, like the, to, to, to help the the lack of pace a little bit. You know. Yeah, and then do you think for for kids, I suppose, at any age, and up to up to the under 18s and whatever else, do you think there's a there's an aspect of any? Is it possible for kids to train too much? So uh, I was like, I remember like talking to your dad your dad, when I was trying to get you to come in and you were at Wall's End, I think you were at Wall's End, weren't you? Yeah, I was, yeah. And, like, your dad wasn't keen, like, from for you to come into the academy at, at, at the younger ages. He wanted you to enjoy your football and, and, and you know, experience winning cups. And, and me as an academy manager, I, I, I agreed with that. You know, I, I was keen on the younger ages doing other sports, uh, whatever sport it was, cricket, tennis, rugby, I was keen for the, for the lads to do that. I was keen for them to, to represent, represent the schools, play school football, because it, it was always a case of the academy, like, oh, bring them into the academy, or stop doing what you, you that you are doing. Uh, stop playing for your school team. Don't play for the district. And then maybe it's a year down the line or two years down the line, you might get released. So I always felt a responsibility in the sense of like, I've took all that experience away from that young boy and then we've ended up releasing him. So I was always with the, with the staff saying, look, if he wants to play for the district on a Saturday, let him play for the district. As young players, you should experience like winning cups, losing cups, because it, 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 it makes for me a better all-round person. You know, you've experienced from a young age, like losing a cup and the sadness of like not winning a cup final or the sadness of like getting knocked out in a semi-final or the joy of winning a cup final. And then like years when you're an adult, you might find photographs of yourself as a young player holding a cup. My, my worry with the academies was to some degree we were taking that away and we were, we were specialising these players at two... At, at, at too early an age. So, yeah, come to the academy and, and work hard when you come into the academy and hopefully you're enjoying it. But go off and do other things that you enjoy as well. And that was always my...
thought process certainly within within the foundation phase and like i always felt that other sports complemented it as well you know like if you were if you were if you were an athlete and you were running for the school that was increasing your 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 um your, your fitness levels other sports other different movements different abilities you know all of that i just thought added to the fact that if you are going to be a footballer you know you've, you've done other sports as well which has probably helped you you know mm -hmm. yeah really interesting mate really thanks good answer that and then the the final one on kind of recruitment which again it's i'm gonna chuck a little bit of a curveball in is is how do you think social media and the, the the trends that are kind of going at the minute, how do you think that's affecting what you are trying to do and, and the recruitment of kids and the way that kids are and also the way that parents are? I just think, like, I mean, there's a, there's a lot more availability. There's a lot more availability. There's likes of yourself. You, you, you have your coaching. Like, Tom, my son does one-to-ones. And, like... You know, it's out there. Parents maybe think, "Oh, he's got he's got some ability," and like, if I do that, but but ultimately, it's like, you know, there's the collective and there's and there's the individual, and it's like football's the collective. It's like sometimes even like older players are like sending me details and saying, "I would like to have a trial for Sunderland Academy." So like, you dig a little bit and go, "Well, who are you playing?" for presently they're not playing football they're not playing for a team so you're like well you're not playing well why are you not playing oh well i'm uh, but i i work with this individual and i want a one and i do this by myself and i do this and i'm thinking but football's a team game you, you need to go and play um football so sometimes it's like you, you see all this social media and you know, parents saying, come on, we'll get you this additional stuff and this additional stuff. But ultimately, it goes back to my previous answer. It's about, you know, if they're coming along and they're enjoying it, you know, that's not a problem. And that's the main thing. They've got to be coming along and enjoying it. And, like, it is having an effect. But ultimately, you know, what, what sort of chances that individual got of, like, being a professional footballer? I think now... There's a little bit like, well, if I do that and I do that, well, I will be a professional footballer. But I, I, I feel sometimes, and even like talking frankly and honestly, even some of the parents who have got kids who are in academies really don't understand um, how hard it is to become a footballer. And the likes of yourself, you know that. You, you've been through it. And you, you know the you know, the demands that are put on you, both physically and mentally and socially, you know, it, it's massive. And I just think sometimes it's like, I, I feel that some parents could be thinking, well, if I do that, the next stage will be that, and then the next stage will be that, and then, oh, he's going to be a footballer, but you know, it, it's not like that, you know? It, it's, it's not like that. The, the, just moving on, mate, on uh, what we mentioned before about values and you just said there about, you know, there's challenges outside of just technical and, and doing dribbling and whatever else. Is that the values that you guys put into players? Can you just tell us why you think that's important? Because I've witnessed it firsthand of, of yourself and, and Elliot and, and Bawley and people like them who, who demand a lot from you, but it's to make you person as well as a better player you just tell I, us think, I, I think it's twofold and it was always when you were in the academy you knew that you know we did our we had values you know we we wanted to interact with you we challenged you but then equally you know we wanted you to challenge us um i mean we can't do it in, in the present uh, situation but we shook hands we broke down barriers um i always felt that you know, we we wanted to give you freedom, but with it with parameters. You you know, you step out of it. You knew there was a consequence, but equally you could step back into it. And like, it was just sort of like you know, we 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 wanted to improve you as a player, 
but equally we wanted you to we wanted to improve you as an individual and as a person so you know going through it was always about like you know you know we 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 expect you to be polite. We don't want you effing and jeffing. We want you not to be turning up with um, orange hair. We had the thing with the with the coloured boots, and we want you know it was about the team and 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 you knowing that you had to contribute to the team. But equally, the the underlying thing was was that like regardless of whether you're going to be a footballer, if you're going to go and like work in an office or work on a building site or whatever path you go down, at some point you're going to have to contribute, you're going to have to step up, you're going to have to work with people, you're going to have to interact. So it was all, 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 always about improving you as a footballer, but equally improving you as a, per, as a, as a, as a person to, to be able to converse and to interact with other people. But then equally, we, we were demanding of you because deep down, like I always felt that regardless of what path you went down, life is demanding. Yeah, and and within within your life path, you get kickbacks and you get disappointments. And it's like, you know, not how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to bounce back? And it was always about, you know, running them two paths. You know that on the educational side that if you were messing about when you were doing the education, it affected your football because if you were messing about too much, you didn't play on the Saturday. So there was a consequence. But that consequence was put in because we wanted you to, to, to uh, achieve as a footballer, but equally we wanted you to achieve educationally. So like I know you, you did extra and we wanted you to... So there was always that, well, if he doesn't become a footballer, He's got he's got some education behind him, but equally he's a good he's a good person, you know. He, he's somebody that we want to keep in touch with. We 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 hope that when he leaves, if he had to leave Sunderland, he would always come back and visit and and ring us up. And like in the majority of the cases, that that was the case, you know. And that 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 was always the the like the driving force that. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a, a two-pronged approach. Want to, you want to be a footballer, but we want to, we want to create like good individuals. And I think from a, a Sun and Academy perspective, over the years, that's been sort of um, held up because um, lads who've maybe had football careers and then for whatever reason have stopped. A lot of them have come back and worked in the academy. People like yourself, you know, Jamie Chandler's around it. Finbar Lynch is in full time. Um, you know, we've had lots of lads who've gone, uh, Michael Proctor's in, um, in, in now. We've had lads who've gone through the system, but they've come back and worked in the system. So, you know, you only want to bring good lads back. So it, it was about developing the person as well. And, you know, lads, lads who've like, maybe had to come out of football um, as a full-time profession and gone like people like yourself, people like Tom, you know, other lads like Smithy, you know, he's a doctor, you, you know, you're all doing well. You've all like thought, well, I'm going to use what I've learned to to still go forward and, and find a good life path, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to touch on you. You mentioned one thing in there that I think's, First of all, it, it sums up them values, like you say, but also I think it's quite funny as well. The coloured boots. All right, can you just tell the story about the coloured boots, where it came from, and then about the time where we protested and did the presentation? I mean, the, the, the coloured boots came from, like, uh, Keir Swanborn, who was at Ajax. And Ajax had this, this rule about all the, the academy lads um, wore black boots. And then... Um, me and Elliot Dickman, we were we were into um, into the All Blacks as well, and their empowerment approach, and then you know they started talking about it. But ultimately, the the the, the thinking behind it was that if um, if you wanted to get noticed on the pitch, it had to be you were getting noticed for like what you were actually doing on the pitch, um, from a playing perspective, 
and not like getting noticed because like you had a green streak down the, the side of your head or you were wearing pink boots or you were wearing, um, you know, yellow boots. And that was the thinking about it. So it was all about if you're going to get noticed, get noticed for like what you're doing on the pitch. But again, it was that, it was that team ethic thing about no one's better than anybody else. Yeah, you know, you you're all in it together. Um, the star of the team is the team. Um, and it, and and like basically get get noticed for like, you know, what what you actually do on the grass. Um, and not somebody going, oh God, look, the state of his pink boots or his yellow boots. And like, you know, obviously it was a it was it was a it was tough for you because like obviously new boots were coming online, you were getting offered coloured boots, and like we used to like discuss about <coughs> should we should we change it when they're eighteens, but then we thought, well, they're not pros, some of you weren't pros. And we thought, well, we'll let it, we'll, we'll, we'll run it till, the, till, you, till you're actually a pro and you're 23 and you're in the 23s. But it was really um, interesting when you got together. And again, you know, that team ethic of like, right, you know, you felt that you could challenge us, which we were happy for you to do that. And like, you know, you put the presentation together. It was really professional. You did a PowerPoint. You're all standing up there talking to like, I don't know, five or six staff, myself, the academy manager, Kevin Ball, who's like not an easy character, you know, he's very forceful. And like, again, you know, we listened to it and we took off your points, but it was so funny when we went at the end, yeah, but you're still wearing black boots. But um, it was good. Like we came away from that like going like, that was brilliant. One of the lads like standing up and like putting a presentation together because like you're like eighteen year old lads, like eighteen year old lads, and it's like it's hard enough as a as a campaigner, an old campaigner, and a, an adult to stand up in front of people and do a PowerPoint and presentation, you know. So again, it was that it was that building of 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 uh, skills in 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 years that you know you were prepared to do that, but that was something that you went out together. You just had drinks together, you, you messed about together, but then you probably came in. There'll be occasions, obviously, like Tom's left the academy like yourself, and I talk to him now about that. When you have come in, when you have had probably too much to drink, but then you come in, but then as soon as you cross that white line, it's like, boom, here we go. And like that, that was important because you used to motivate us. You know, I, like, I've gone back to the under-18s and doing some coaching with the under-18s, and I'm like saying, lads, I've come out, I want to help you, but you've got to help me, you've got to motivate me. And, like, you used to motivate me. So I was always like, oh, I've got to get out, watch the coach, and oh, I've got to take a session. And, like, because that motivated me. And I just think, you know, I've come back in in a different role and there's things changed in the academy and, you know... I go out and I sometimes think, how much of these lads motivating the coaches, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that uh, that presentation of of I remember putting it together, us us and the boys in the IT suite, and and we had uh, we had one of our points was you always talked about one getting one percent better, always being one percent better, and and this new boot that had came out, it it, it openly said this will make you one percent faster. And our point was, well, there you go. Like, you've got to let us wear it. And you all just went, nope. <laughs> you let us do it all. And then it was, nope. <laughs> well, that, you know, that again is building that confidence to challenge us. I mean, I, I've still got it on the iPad um, after, like, some of you went through the Newcastle or watched the Youth Cup game when we got uh, we got bumped, I think, about 4-0. I was actually taking the team. And uh, we played three at the back. It was probably a bad decision on my part. But like the next day, you, Tom, Agus, uh, who else? George, he's all like went in and like spoke to the under 18s and sort of like you were their peers, but like you were saying, needs to be better, lads. You know, it's demanding, it's demanding, it's demanding. So it was like, you know, you you were doing our jobs really, but like 
what had we done for you to have that that capability, that confidence to go in and like speak to the under 18s and like demand to the under 18s that it had to be better, you know? That yeah. was like, you know, I remember showing it on the iPad with a couple of Arsenal coaches and they they couldn't believe it. Like they'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. And said like, can't believe like that that's you know, that's occurred. And then know, it was terrific. And then just coming away, Jed, from from kind of the the values and and that kind of thing, and and going back into to, to kind of your coaching. Obviously, things have the, the games changed since since you started coaching. The game changes all the time. How do you kind of stay up to date? How do you constantly learn? How do you constantly develop as as a coach, mate? I think, like for me, I've always been a I've always been somebody who would read stuff or would go and watch people um, or, you know, sub- subscribe even like when I was part-time, I would get in the car and I would drive to watch a coach work. Um, at the time, there was a regional centre. When I was doing the Man U centre, there, there was a national regional centre. So some of the lads who, who had been selected um, for the national teams Elliot, Dickman, Stewie Brightwell. Um, there would be a national coach would come up to Chesley Street and all the lads would come and they would be coached by the national coach. I would always go down, stand down there, watch him coach. And then obviously when I started doing it full time, watching other coaches, like reading, reading other, reading a lot of um, other sports, basketball, um, you know, seeing what they did, uh, the All Blacks, the rugby. So just always like trying to to read things and 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 sort of digest things and see where that would fit in with foot in with football if indeed it did. Um, throw things out there, try things, and you know just sort of have a knowledge and then look at like your better teams, what are they doing, how are they playing, um, and, and, and always sort of like, I always felt as an academy manager, like from my perspective, it was like, you know, pat you on the back, we'll kick you up the arse when you needed it, and prodding you all the time, can you get better, think about this, think about that, and, and, and you know, pinching from other sports, and, and seeing where, if indeed that could fit into football, you know, um, and the game, the game changes. So, like for an example, like as the game changed, there was more sports science came into the game. More sports science came into into the the daily sessions. So my thought process was that obviously players are getting fitter. Um, diet came in; they were getting leaner, they were eating better, they were becoming more aligned to probably other sports as far as like being more athletic, not like being like, well, you know, go out midweek, I might like have five or six pints, I like fish and chips. They were more like becoming more professional athletes, really. So my thought process in re- relation to that was, was was that players are getting quicker on the pitch, they cover the ground quicker. So therefore, to play at a higher level, you have to deal with that that player who covers the ground quicker. So my thought process was that then we have to make better technical players because technically they have to deal with that pressure that's coming quicker. So that drove the technical practices, dealing with pressure, then, you know, like trying to put evidence to that. So I remember sitting and looking at um, Barcelona, uh, Xavi, Iniesta, players like that who were, who weren't the biggest players, but they were playing against big, physical, quick players. But their technical ability um, got them out of trouble. So they could move the ball quicker. They could deal with pressure. So it was like, how do you, as a smaller player, how do you deal with your, uh, deal with a big player? How do you use your body? How do you counter a big player? Because clearly, Iniesta, Zabi, some of the Barcelona players of that great team, we're doing that on a, on a on a game-to-game basis. So that that sort of 
you know, altered me thinking on what we needed to work on the pitch, what we needed to work in in, in training, um, and you know that that was a change in 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 football. Um, so that that always used to like alter my my thought process on you know what we what we need to need to work on, and then again football changed again. There was like teams who were were playing counter attack football and breaking out. So then you know defensively, you know I used to talk to Bolly about we need to do more practices where there's an overload. So, you know, there's a 4v2, two, two centre-backs retreating out of the deal with four breaking out. So all of that sort of process, you know, makes you makes you think about, you know, what you're going to coach, how you're going to coach. But ultimately, you know from, like, my coaching philosophy, it was about you had to be a good technician, you know, and... Like I always used to argue with the coaches when we came to be talking about scholarships. If one of the coaches would say, "Well, I don't think he's that good a technician," if it say, for example, you'd been in the academy from night like nine year old, and then you'd gone right the way through, and he's we're now talking to you as a sixteen year old, and people are saying, like, technically you're not, you know, you're not, uh, you know, you're not top draw, or you're not like got good qualities, my my argument back to them was always, well, what have we been doing with him when he's been in the academy? So there was a massive drive that, you know, you had to be technically decent. And then and then if you, if you go on, obviously I always go on Twitter and, and have a read on there and there's loads of, loads of information, but there's never, you never have to look too far to find an argument between people talking about your game-based practices versus your, your drill-based practices? Where do you sit on there, mate? It's a balance. You know, I've had I've had a lot of arguments with people and about, like, you know, like, and again, I use, you know, like, people will say the game, the game's the learner. I'm not too sure about that. You know, I always use the example of myself. When, when I was young, I didn't really get any coaching. I didn't really get any coaching until I was about 16, 17. But I'd been playing football with my brother and, and, and my mates from probably, you know, eight-year-old in the streets and all that. So if the game's the learner, why wasn't my left foot uh, as good as my right foot? Because my argument was, was that I would always go back to, to type, something that I was comfortable with. So I was very comfortable on my right foot, and I would play off the outside of my foot. And but I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't really like use my left foot. But it wasn't really until somebody came along and went, "You need to work on your left foot, and you need to go and do a little bit of deliberate practice to improve that." And they'd say, "Yeah, but like he has to do it in the in a game." And my argument was always that. My argument was always that. Well. If I can't, if I can't do it in a deliberate practice where I've got a bag of balls and I want to drop that ball into into that area off my left foot, how am I ever going to do it in the in the constraints of a game when there's people in front of us and and, yeah. and people are running around? And then we've got examples, you know, like um, you know, coming through the academy, like lads who maybe come in from Ireland or or from Europe who you know, weren't great on either left or right. We'd put them on a programme. Um, what you call you that, I think you played with, he, uh, he was a bit younger than you. He came from Darlow. Um, he went to Sweden. Um, the striker, uh, what the hell they call him. He couldn't kick with his left foot when he came to us. But within two years, he was scoring more goals with his left foot than his right foot. But that was because we put him on deliberate practice. Just deliberate practice. Tom, my own son, wanted to be a scholar. So I'm like saying to him at 14, you've got to improve your left foot. So, like, you know, through the summer months, just a bag of balls, just practice, practice, practice with your left foot. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it will improve it. You know, ultimately, the best players in the game, like I talk about using, like, coming through the academy, I always use the term, it's a toolbox. So, like you had a toolbox, our job is to fill that toolbox with technical ability. 
the skill comes from you choosing the, the best tool in that situation to uh to 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 get out of that situation in a game. But like you're in a situation in a game, so you're going through and you're on, you're in on goal and you know you're gonna have to use your left foot and you'll see loads of examples of it at, at every level. You know you've got to hit that with your left foot, but you know you can't kick with your left foot. So your brain's telling you you've got to check inside and use your right foot. But mm. if you've done that deliberate practice, my theory is, is that your brain's just saying, go on, use that left foot, go on, score with your left foot, because you know you can use that left foot foot because you put the practice in. And it's to me, it's no different than a tennis player hitting like 60 backhands and 60 forehands. You know, he's got a, you know, I read an article uh, last year about um, Fedra, and uh, I, I think I sent it to Elliot. And Fedra was playing um, uh, the Spanish player, what do you call him? Nadal. Uh, where's the hairband? Nadal. Nadal. And like he said, Nadal, um, Nadal made him a better player because. When he played Nadal, Nadal knew that uh, Federer was weak on his uh, on his left side, um, on his uh, backhand, on his on his like going across on the left side, and like he, he exposed that. So Nadal at the time was thirty two year old, went away and started to, to do deliberate practice with his coach on on that uh, stroke. And he said that he done it. He did it for hours and hours and hours and hours. And he was basically in the article thanking Nadal for for highlighting a, a weakness in his game, for him to go away and do deliberate practice. So it's the same as a tennis player, a golf player. You've got to put the practice in to 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 improve that individual technique. And like I think it was up when you were in here. I put a thing up about strikers. If if a striker only gets the chance to 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 practice strengthening a goal in a game, then how many goals is he going to score? Surely he's got to put the practice in prior to the actual game. So then it just becomes a natural process of like, you know, I'm just going to I'm I'm just going to pass it in. Like Pop Robson, who I, I, I spoke who um, mentioned earlier. Like when Pop was a player at Sunderland, every Friday throughout his career, he would he would have balls fed into the box from either side, about and he would do forty balls on a on a Friday prior to the game, and all he was used to, all he was doing was just passing them in the goal, putting them in the goal, putting them in the goal, putting them in the goal. So in a game situation, it just become natural to him, and his thought process in a game was that. He didn't sort of mentally think, oh, I might miss. His thought process was always, I'm going to score. And obviously he scored like, he was a, he was a massive goal scorer. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's the, it's, the, it's the experience of the coach when to do deliberate practice, when to, when, when to, you know, use the game. But like, we've just been talking about some scholars coming in. We have a scholar who's been in the academy probably since he was an under 12. And like I observed him the other day and he can't really pass the ball with his left foot. And he's coming in as a scholar. Um, I think that's detrimental to the academy that an under 16 who's been in probably from, he's been in a few years, can't play a a lofted pass off either side, you know. for me, if he if he's got if he has dreams of being a potential player and playing in the eighteens even or playing, you know, twenty threes, he's got to be able to clip a ball off either either foot like. Yeah, definitely. And then it's you, a balance, really. Yeah, and then you you've obviously been lucky enough, and and obviously have, have brought through some incredible footballers, mate. You look at current England captain Jordan Henderson. Um, Current England goalkeeper Jordan Pickford. There's there's loads of them. The list's endless. Um, what did all them players have in common, man? I think a lot of them, like obviously, you know, there's lads who who were unlucky not to come through, you know. But like lads that you played with, you all had a drive to work hard. 
you know, it, it, it was very rarely that we, we had to go, he's not bothering his arse. Like we used to pick his up on things and say, come on, that needs to be a bit better than that. But in the main, he's all wanted to work hard. He's all wanted to, to, to drive and, and, you know, he's, he's had a drive within. He's all wanted to help each other. And, and you know, like, that's part of it. You know, you're all, like, although we were coaches and we would, we, we were demanding of you, is we're really demanding of each other. Like, you, you, you used to dig each other out. Like, come on, this needs to be better or we're better than this. And I think um, that work ethic, you know, like, obviously Jordan Anderson is a massive uh, example of that. Like, you know, he, he, he worked hard, he practised. He would come back, he would come in on a Sunday and, and he'd, be, he'd be doing a bit of work by himself. You know, I remember sitting with him and saying, you know, you, like when he was first team player, like, uh, you know, I'd heard whispers that he was walking off the training pitch and like, you know, I like pulled him and went, oh, you don't practice anymore. And it was a challenge to him. And I said, your left foot, I watched you in games at the, at the stadium, your left foot can still get better. And then, you know, I watched him the other night playing centre-back for Liverpool. You know, he's spraying the ball all over the park with his left foot. So it was that it, I think a lot a lot of the, the the players that we brought through, you know, had a had a desire to, to get better and to improve. You know, like Waggy Waggy debuted at, um, at the stadium as a young player playing against uh, Ferdinand, and like you know, you talk to Jordan Anderson. Jordan Anderson's first thought is, "I'll be the next one. I'll be the next one to debut." He was pleased for Waggy, but his drive was that I want to be the next one to, to debut. So I think, you know, it's that it's instilling that that uh, desire, like you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing, but then you get to a point where you stop pushing because you're pushing yourself and you're pushing each other. So really, I've, I've had incidents when I'm out, I'm out coaching, or I'm out, I'm not really coaching. I'm I'm, manage, I'm managing the session because you are coaching yourselves. You are being demanding of yourselves, even in the training. Like, come on, you don't want to get beat. You don't want to be on that losing team. And you are driving yourselves, you know. Um, and, and you know, that, 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 that's where you want to get. I always used to say, and I've got it on a, on a slide somewhere, you want a coach to become redundant. Mm. Uh, I always used to say you want a coach to become redundant because when you become redundant, the lads are doing it themselves, the lads are managing it, the lads are policing it. So you know yourself that you would go out and you'd, you'd start like digging each other out because you weren't happy with the session. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you felt the session wasn't good enough. And you were like, you were managing it really. Come on, it needs to be better. Not me saying lads, I was bothering the day or not. When you get to that stage, you very rarely have to say that because you know that, you know, you've got you've got the, the, the lads to a, um, a position where you are managing yourself. Like when you when you were in the building and Tom and, and, and George and all you were all in that building and that down to that dressing room, I knew that I would go downstairs on a morning before you were going out training and I would see us all in the gym doing uh, um, prep before actually doing this, doing the session. You weren't just sitting chewing the fat. You just did that, but like you knew that I had to go in to the gym and you did prep before the before training was was started. When you get to that stage, you know you've got something really. You know you've got like like a group of lads that you know that. Like, want you all to progress and, and have a career in football, but you know that you've you've got something, and that and it's no surprise that you've won leagues, you contested all the, the national con, uh, cups, you know semi finals, um, pushing your your massive academies like your Man United, pushing them, finishing second in the under twenty threes league, Man United having to pull out all the big players when we went to play them. Nobody wanted to play is 
Uh, all the big clubs didn't like playing you. You, you turn over Chelsea, you turn over Man, Man City, you turn over Man United. That that just doesn't happen. You know, that's a work in progress. But ultimately, you walk over that pitch and go, you know what? We can beat these. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that and, and that's not just down to me. That's like putting in processes and then saying to you, come on, you can do this. If you grab a hold of this and you decide you want to work your bollocks off and give it the best you can, this this is what can happen. And like obviously we drove you, we were demanding of you, we we kicked you up the arse, we we patted you on the back. Ball, he was demanding of you, you know what you know. Like like if the session wasn't like to a level, Bolly would just send you in. Mm-hmm. So you knew that hey, we have to be arid. And like anybody coming into the group, they had to step up to that level. Or you were telling them, "Hey, that's not good enough. Like this is where we're at. You've got to, you've got to work at that level because this is where we're at." You know. Yeah. And then final one, mate. Some quick fire questions for you. All right. So just answer them. Have a quick think, then answer it straight off. First one. Favorite player to watch on the telly at the minute? Probably uh, De Bruyne. But then equally, I love watching Jordan as well because you know he now knows that he's a he's a quality player, and like they were debating about him, like could be a weakness playing as a centre back against Man U the other day, and it's just like I can play there, you know, I can do a job there. He just has, he's just like such a good pro now, like such a good player. Yeah, it's meant to be quick fire. Sorry. <laughs> uh, one thing you'd change about football? I don't like uh, I don't like this uh, offside rules and what's it called? Uh, yeah. I don't like I don't like it. I think it's it's detrimental, and I don't like the the rule where the two centre backs can drop into the box. Yeah, and then best best coach you've coached with? Um. I was influenced a lot by uh, Bobby Saxton when I came to Sunderland. He was the first team coach. I used to love watching him coach. He was fantastic. Um, but obviously influenced by Pop Robson. Yeah, um, and then best player you've ever coached? Um, probably the best player would be uh, Grant Ledbetter. Best bit of advice you could give a player? Just keep working hard. Just keep pushing. You know, you just got to keep getting out of bed every morning and, like, you know, getting in your car and driving to, to, to train because you always get another chance and, like, deal with it, you know, deal with adversity, deal with injury, but, like, you'll get through it and just keep pushing, just keep pushing. Best bit of advice you would give a coach? Um, be an open book, um, listen, um, look at things, uh, you know, analyze it. Is it for you? Is it, is it not for you? For you? Um, and like, just be an open book and don't like, when I was a young coach, we were obviously had to do our qualifications through the, the FA and it was always stop, stand still. And you always coach mistakes, but like, you know, sometimes you learn from mistakes. So, there's lots of ways of coaching, uh, so don't get don't get um, tied up with like there's only one way to coach. Yeah, thanks very much for for coming on, Jed. I really appreciate obviously you giving up your your afternoon and to to have a chat with us. And I think for me, as, as someone who's listened to you there and, and worked closely with you for for a number of years, I think the the big thing that that you've done for myself and other people is, is them values and, and that's led on to creating good people rather than just good players, which, which some people do. Um, I think the players who obviously have come through the club under your, under your management just says, says everything, mate. So, so thank you very much. Really appreciate it. No bother, Carty. Good to talk. Not man. Cheers, Jed. Not man. See you. So that's that. A really interesting conversation with Jed, somebody who, as I've mentioned, is a real mentor of mine. 
Um, hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, we would love to, to hear it on how we can improve and get better in any questions that you guys would like us to pose to the guests. You can find us at andrewcartwrightfc.com or you can drop us a message on social media. Okay, we look forward to the next one and speak to you soon.